If you're looking for help in working through a fair recovery or relationship renewal, check out the growing number of online courses available at mychange.courses. Filled with instruction, exercises, worksheets, and resources, I developed these courses for individuals and couples who need help as they work toward change. You can preview all the courses for free, and if you use the code PODCAST, you'll receive 10% off any purchase, including the discounted bundles. Go to mychange.courses to find your help today. Hello, I'm Tim Tedder. And I'm Sharon Tedder. And today we're going to talk about a topic that comes up a lot in our coaching and counseling. Mm-hmm. It's the term gaslighting. Yeah, it's something that has been around for quite a long time, but has really gained some popular acknowledgement in the last five years or so. We hear it a lot more now. Yeah, so let's talk about it today. What is it? How does it show up in a fair recovery? What can people do about it? And some other resources we might suggest. Welcome to The Recovery Room, a podcast presented by AffairHealing.com. Here are your hosts, Tim and Sharon Tedder. So what is gaslighting? Gaslighting is a term that's used to describe the process of somebody who is psychologically, verbally manipulative slash abusive using the target's own self-doubt against them. For instance, saying or doing things that undermine the target's actual legitimate complaints, and in a variety of ways, they turn it around on the target to where the target goes, oh, I guess it's me. It's a psychological manipulation. Mm -hmm. It causes confusion Mm -hmm. in the person that's the target of the manipulation. Mm -hmm. We've subtitled this edition, You Make Me Crazy, Mm -hmm. which kind of is a maybe a light description of the person, the recipient of gaslighting starts feeling like something wrong with me. Absolutely. It's all about making that person feel off balance. They start to feel like something's wrong with me. They doubt their own sense of self. They doubt their own ability to make good decisions. And it's that term, quote, crazy making, end quote. You hear that sometimes too. That's what it does. It makes them feel nuts. And the reason that that is an effective manipulation tool is because if someone is doubting their own ability to really adequately assess a situation and they take the gaslighters' opinions as fact above their own, then they're easy to manipulate. (laughs) And then the person that's doing the gaslighting gets what they want because they are throwing that person off and then the person gives up. Yeah, the responsibility shifts from, from the person that should be accepting responsibility for whatever issues are going on. The attention goes off of them to the person that's the victim. Mm-hmm. In this sense. Right. And they start feeling like, what? Am I really the one responsible or am I the one that's just got things mixed up or right. you know, I guess very, they get confused and it feels like crazy. Yep. Let's talk about where that term gaslighting comes from. Okay. The term gaslighting comes from a stage play that was adapted into two suspense movies that came out in the 1940s, both titled Gaslight. The second and more popular movie 
was released in 1944, starring Ingrid Bergman in the role of Paula and Charles Boyer as Gregory. The movie also features Angela Lansbury in the role of a teenage maid. The story takes place in 1875 London, when streets and homes were lit by gas lanterns instead of electricity. Near the start of the movie, we watch the whirlwind romance and marriage of Paula and Gregory, full of hope and joy, as it begins to turn into something more troubling. We suspect that Gregory is driven by a motive unknown to his wife. We see glimpses of his flawed character, but Paula remains completely unaware. In fact, her husband hides the truth and moves towards his private intentions by causing her to doubt her own thinking. He starts by taking objects and convincing her that she is responsible for moving or losing them. You've been forgetful lately. Forgetful? Well, losing things and... <laughs> Don't look so worried, Paula. It's nothing. You get tired. Yes, that's probably what it is. I get tired. I'm tired Paula slowly begins to question her own mental stability. She becomes especially troubled when she sees and hears things that nobody else seems to witness. When Gregory is out of the house, she observes the gas lights dimming and brightening, apparently on their own. She hears steps in the attic that nobody else seems to hear. Eventually, Paula questions her sanity and begs for Gregory to be gentle with her. If I do all these senseless, meaningless things, well, then I don't know what I do anymore. I know, Paula. If that's true, then you must be gentle with me. You must bear with me, please. Oh, please, Gregory, please. But when a concerned friend steps in to help, Paula gets her first glimpse into a different perspective of what's been going on. Tell me, is there anyone else in the house now except us and Elizabeth? No, why? The gas just went down. You saw that too? Why, yes. Oh, then it really happens. I thought I imagined it. But only means that someone else has turned it on. Oh, no, no, no. I thought that too. But every night I've been all over the house. There's never been another light turned on. At last I can tell this to someone. Now, every night when my husband goes out, the light goes down. Paula eventually confronts Gregory, and he's unable to hide behind his lies. In a closing act of desperation, he tries to save himself. You remember our first days? There have been times when I thought I only dreamed those days. If I ever meant anything to you, and I believe I did, then help me, Paula. Give me another chance. So that's where the term comes from. And let's talk a little bit more about what it is and how it shows up in a fair recovery. But maybe let's first of all talk about what it's not. What we don't mean when we say gaslighting. Okay. Gaslighting is just not your normal confusion. Right. Because everybody's going to be confused when you get to a fair recovery. There's just a lot of information that's not known. Mm -hmm. And even what is known doesn't always make logical sense. Mm -hmm. Right. Trying to get at, you know, what is the truth of this? Sometimes you get some defensiveness. Sometimes you get some misinformation. That's not necessarily gaslighting. Right. That's maybe deception or lying or bad memory or whatever. Gaslighting is more intentional. It's yes. the effort of one person to really pass the buck, mm -hmm. to put the responsibility back on you. Hey, I'm not the bad one here. 
this is your problem. What's mm-hmm. wrong with you? Mm-hmm. Look at what's going on. Mm-hmm. I would also add that perhaps in every affair situation, at the very beginning, there's probably a small amount of inadvertent gaslighting going on. You're talking about the difference between someone who just has an initial defensive reaction, mm-hmm. the person who's had an affair or infidelity, mm-hmm. trying to minimize it or deny mm-hmm. it or yes. whatever. That's one thing. And that mm-hmm. usually happens and they'll use whatever they can to try to at first, yeah. Yeah, take the attention off of me. No, it's not me. Hey, look over here, whatever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so there may be some elements of gaslighting in that you're saying. Right. But, but, it but will... we're concerned more about when it becomes an intentional strategy mm-hmm. or a consistent strategy, even if they're not really aware, they may not know the term gaslighting or haven't been that sure. specific in saying, oh, this is what I'm going to do now. It comes natural for some people. Oh, yes, 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 yes. <laughs> it's yes. that turning away from, oh, this isn't my problem. This has something to do with you pointing at the victim and mm-hmm. saying, this is your problem. Yep. So let's talk about how gaslighting shows up in a fair recovery. And and maybe we can think about it in terms of how is gaslighting used when the betrayed partner doesn't even know an affair is going on. Mm-hmm. And then maybe what shows up once they realize, oh, there's an affair. You're in that initial phase of clarity and trying to figure out what happened. And then maybe how gaslighting shows up farther on in recovery, where both couples are saying, okay, let's work on this. Some things are going to be the same, but there are probably some unique manifestations of gaslighting that show up in those different stages. So let's start with when an affair is going on and the betrayed partner doesn't even know it. When a spouse or partner finds something that's evidence of something going on, maybe it's a receipt in the pocket Mm -hmm. or an item on the phone logs Mm -hmm. or a text, Mm -hmm. and then the explanation that's given, I mean, it can just be a lie, you know, that's something different but so many times it is turned back on you know what why are you why are you being so snoopy there you go or why are you so overly sensitive there you go that's my favorite one i was saying earlier you're getting to my favorite one and i don't mean that in a positive way i mean my favorite one because it makes me crazy i have had so many clients i can't even tell you that this has happened to It's the favorite where they find something and the immediate response without any explanation is, how dare you breach my privacy that way? Mm. It immediately puts the target of the gaslighting on defensive immediately because it's implying a character flaw in them. Yeah. I mean, listen, in relationships, you may find something that is questionable or suspicious and it's right to talk about it. But the response you should get is one like, oh, yeah, let me talk to you about that. I don't want you to feel insecure. Mm-hmm. Let me try to give an explanation to that. Mm-hmm. It's not blaming the other person. It's not trying to defend themselves by making you look bad. When you actually find something and you ask about it or you feel uncomfortable with a certain relationship your person has and you express that hey, this makes me uncomfortable. I just want to express to you how I feel about it and talk to you about it. That's trying to communicate in an assertive adult type of way. A more overt style of gaslighting in the pre-discovery phase would be a partner finds something they wonder about. It's questionable. Maybe it's a record of a financial receipt or Mm -hmm. something in the calendar in the past. Mm -hmm. And the person that's having the affair actually goes in and tries to change the records. Mm -hmm. And they manipulate things in such a way that when they go back to the record, what are you talking about? Look, Mm -hmm. there's nothing wrong here. And Mm -hmm. the person's looking at it going, wait, 
I, I know I sure saw that. That was something else, I'm mm, sure. That's gaslighting, straight up. Or they take something away that was evidence, and they say, I, I don't know what you're talking about. That was never there. That's I right. I know I saw that. But the efforts of the gaslighter can be so consistent and so firm that the person can begin to doubt their own senses. <laughs> totally. Or, or their own memory or their own logic. Say, well, totally. Ma- maybe, maybe I did get it wrong. Right. You know? Well, and, and let's talk about this a little bit, too. People who are gaslighters in all areas have maybe a greater percentage of cheating behavior. Not always, but it can be more common amongst people that were already gaslighting everybody and anybody in their entire lives because <laughs> well, that was there. Yeah, I would say there's a correlation. Someone mm-hmm. who's who's good at gaslighting is probably more at risk of Of infidelity. getting into that. And yeah. yeah, that doesn't mean every cheater is a gaslighter. Or that every gaslighter is necessarily a cheater Correct. in that way. Yeah. Correct. So what are some of the other unique ways gaslighting may occur? Once an affair is to the point of not being able to be denied anymore, (laughs) they're not trying to keep something a secret anymore. It's out. Mm -hmm. Now, how does gaslighting show up? I would say one of the main ways is when the unfaithful person starts talking about all the things in the betrayed person that prompted the affair. Okay. That's probably the biggest one where they start doing that thing where they're like, well, but you wouldn't, you know, be intimate with me enough or, but you were this way, you were that. I mean, they'd start flipping it right away onto poor me. (laughs) I was driven to an affair by how bad you are in certain areas. Yeah. How many times have we heard people who've been betrayed, almost accepting the responsibility and saying, well, I... You know, I totally. think it's my fault. I wasn't this enough, or I didn't do that enough. Yep. And they're not only saying that that's the accusation, they're almost accepting that oh, as sure. their responsibility. They're buying it 100%. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've asked the question of a lot of clients, not just affair recovery people, but other people that have been in these kinds of situations. Why are you assuming that that person's thoughts and feelings are more important than your own? Why do you feel like theirs is more Mm. fact-based than yours? Mm -hmm. You know, because that's really what it comes down to, but that's what gaslighting does. It makes you go, oh, I'm somehow unable to trust my own self and my own feelings and my own wants and needs. Something's wrong with me, and they're telling me this, so I guess it must be right. That's what happens. You know, I want to be very clear that if a couple is going to decide to stay together, if their relationship or marriage is going to heal, Both partners have to accept responsibility for what the marriage is going to become and the changes that they have to make. And some of those responsibilities are unique between the two of them. But that attention should come farther on in the process. Mm -hmm. When an affair first comes out, boy, if the attention isn't on the person who had the affair, accepting responsibility for it and making every effort to come clean, be honest, begin earning trust back again. Mm -hmm. If that's somehow flipped and it becomes the betrayed one's responsibility to do everything, Mm -hmm. that's wrong. (laughs) It's backwards. Mm -hmm. And I've had situations where couples have been sitting in affair recovery counseling and the unfaithful partner, the one who had the affair, sits there kind of defiantly and says, well, I'm not going to do anything unless they guarantee that they're going to change or that this marriage is going to be different and I'm going to be happy with this person. I mean, they flip the script. Yep. That's totally backwards. And yep. many times the tool that they're using to keep their partner in that defensive posture is gaslighting. Sure. You know, just coming to turn the attention. This is your fault. This isn't mine. I mean, yep. it's so yep. ridiculous when you sit there. Any objective person would go, what are you saying and doing? Yeah, yeah. But when you're in the middle of it. Right. And it's someone it's that confusing. you love. Mm-hmm. 
See, that's the big problem is that it's somebody you care about and that's supposed to care about you. That's not to say that gaslighting doesn't happen in other situations because it certainly does in friendships or family members or even professional settings. It totally does. But when we're talking about a marriage or a partnership, that person is supposed to care for you. And that can also be part of a gaslighting tactic is that you come across as being very caring as you're saying all these things. It is very, very difficult for the target of the gaslighting to discern what is going on. It's very hard. And when you're in that midst of being in a traumatized, completely disruptive carpet fold out from underneath you kind of state, your world's already upside down, topsy-turvy. It's so hard to be able to calmly negotiate, wait, what's happening right now? It's crazy making time on its own merit. Totally. You don't need to have a partner piling on and making you feel more insecure, unstable, crazy, nuts, it's your fault type of thing mm -hmm, going on. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I guess the only other thing I could say, especially in the early part of recovery, are those instances in which the obvious truth is denied. Mm -hmm. I'm the person who's discovering the affair, who's been betrayed, has all these evidences, but every one of them has this ridiculous explanation. Mm -hmm. And listen, I know sometimes there can be an appearance of something that really has an explanation that's not what you'd expect, not mm -hmm. the normal explanation. Okay, that occasionally happens. Mm -hmm. When I'm sitting there and every evidence that's brought up the explanation or excuse for that is some wild explanation of, mm -hmm. oh, I think someone stole my phone. I don't know who did that, you know. Someone jumped in my window and typed something on my computer. It wasn't me. And they can be very <laughs> convincing. I remember in my first marriage, he would look at me and lie straight to my face, looking in my eyes. I mean, he was so <laughs> emphatic. It yeah. made me feel nuts. So let's talk about the couple who moves past the initial stage of recovery and both are saying, okay, let's work on reestablishing our marriage or relationship. Mm -hmm. Let's work on recovery and renewal. Sometimes gaslighting continues to show up even there. Mm -hmm. One example of how it could show up after the affair recovery process has started would be something akin to the unfaithful spouse starting to get frustrated with the process. <laughs> it is a long process mm -hmm. and what feels like, oh my gosh, it's forever for the person who had the affair is really just the starting processes of the betrayed spouse. Mm -hmm. The unfaithful person feels very frustrated and annoyed by the whole thing at some point and starts going, wow, I don't think you're ever going to get over this. Yeah, that's what I was thinking about too, especially in the area of reestablishing trust. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Because what they're doing when they do that is they're making it that the affair recovery process is somehow your fault that it's taking so long. Yeah, it's the betrayer's failure to enter into that vulnerable space, to accept responsibility and say, hey, the reestablishment of trust in this relationship is my responsibility. Even if it takes a long time. And it's going to take a long time. Mm -hmm. And I know you're hurt and you're afraid and you wonder whether you can ever trust me again. Mm -hmm. yep. So I know it's going to take time and it's my responsibility to demonstrate to you that I am acting in a trustworthy way. Mm -hmm. That takes patience. It mm -hmm. takes vulnerability. Mm -hmm. Honestly, for a lot of people, it takes change because that's not how they've operated for a long time. They've operated in a self-serving way and in a secretive way. And now they're being asked, you've got to be open and be attentive to someone else's needs, not just your own. Yeah. Frankly, if someone doesn't feel like they want to do it, 
Instead of doing that, it's much easier to just turn it around saying, you know yeah. what? Like, yeah, Ugh. I want this marriage. I want healing and stuff. But yeah. we're not getting there because it's your fault. That's right. That happened to me in my first marriage. I remember clearly where I was. And I remember we were driving in the car. And I remember him looking at me and going, when are you going to get off my back? <laughs> <laughs> Even though I understand of course, even somebody who's legitimately sincere and wanting to work through it and they are sorry that they did it and all that stuff, they're going to get exhausted sometimes. Yeah, that statement may come out of someone's mouth who's not gaslighting. Correct. Just because they're frustrated, they're tired, and they go, come on, when are you going to stop this? But the gaslighting is that the consistent message. Correct. You're the one Yep. Too tuned into Man, this. You're the you one that can't are. get over it. This is why. What's wrong with you? Yep. I already said I'm sorry. So why can't we just move exactly. on? Exactly. Why can't we just move on? That's like the best, biggest question, you know? And it's like, I, I understand certain people are good. You're going to get frustrated. Of course you are. However, somebody who is legitimately sincere and vulnerable and not a gaslighter <laughs> <laughs> will quickly recognize that and go, you know what? I'm sorry. I know I was having a bad day and I really just got short and... I know it's going to be a long process and I'm I'm here to take my lumps. I did this thing and I want to get better, but I understand it's going to be a long process and not turn it around as somehow it's the shortcomings of the betrayed partner that are keeping the conflict or they're keeping the working on it going, yeah. you know. One other way that gaslighting shows up farther on in the process is oftentimes when the betrayer is giving an outward appearance that they're committed to the marriage, or at least that they're not ready to leave the marriage. Mm -hmm. mm. But in reality, they're acting in a way that is contrary to the healing of the marriage. Yes. In fact, sometimes they've already decided they really don't want to be in their marriage, but they don't want to be the bad person that says that. You know, I've already had an affair. I don't want to be the one that you can blame for getting a divorce too. So they kind of keep things in this fuzzy, uncertain kind of place. Mm. And then when the betrayed partner begins to set boundaries and take a stance and saying, you know what, I can't do this alone. Mm -hmm. I'm willing to work on our marriage, but I've got to have you with me. Mm -hmm. So I need to start establishing boundaries. And maybe that means distancing myself from you. Maybe that means leaving this relationship or this marriage. Mm -hmm. Then all of a sudden the other person turns around and says, oh, so you're the one that wants divorce. I didn't say I wanted divorce. I didn't say I was giving up on our marriage. Mm -hmm. And that's so unfair mm -hmm. because you know it's one thing to say I'm not giving up on their marriage. It's another thing to be committed to really working on it. Correct. Yeah. And so then the betrayer sitting there feeling the blame, mm -hmm. feeling like they're responsible for the ending of the marriage. It gets flipped upside down. Yeah. And then they cave and they go back on their boundaries mm -hmm. because then they're like, well, no, I don't want to be a bad guy. Wait, is that true? Am I being a bad guy? Am I being impatient? Am I not loving unconditionally those are all things i have yeah. heard people say and it's like, a state of utter confusion totally that they wonder why can't i get stable footing here absolutely but it's because of the agenda of the betrayer mm -hmm. so i'll assume that someone listening to this podcast is going hey that's what's happening to me mm -hmm. i think i'm being gaslighted I'm the one that's feeling like I'm the one who's wrong or going a little bit crazy. It's right. confusing and keeps coming back on me like it's my responsibility. What should that person do? What can someone do that thinks that maybe they're being gaslit? The two main things are, number one, start to work on your own sense of self, your own faith in yourself, your own self-worth, trusting your own instincts really doing a lot of work on becoming more assertive 
in being able to say, I am not going to buy into what you are saying just because we are in conflict about what we're saying. Mm-hmm. I won't automatically take this person's opinions or words over my own. I will start to become very critical in my thinking about what is actually going on. And someone who gets to that point of saying, that's what I need to do, mm-hmm. it's really important that they're not letting their partner be the one that reflects their work because your partner's not going to give you an honest feedback. Nope. It's in their best interest to keep you in that crazy mode. That's so right. they don't want you to get healthy. They don't want you to have a clear perspective. So that's it's important right. to reach out to a source that is going to help you move in a healthy way in this regard. Right. I've made a statement to a lot of people in this kind of situation. I say, that person is not an accurate source of information for mm-hmm. you right now. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and just remember that. It's yep. like fake news. Yep. You cannot listen to that. Yep. Don't expect to get clarity nope. from them. Nope. <laughs> expect to get confusion. Correct. That's super important too because in a gaslighting situation, commonly one of the things that happens is that the gaslighter is uh, isolating the person being gaslit. They isolate them from other people in various ways, but they try to keep you from getting an accurate source of information mm-hmm. from somewhere else. So it's really important to have good counseling or to have somebody you very much trust in your family or a group of friends that you can talk to about what's going on so that you can get an outside, clear perspective. Yeah, and I just want to say that if your partner is open to this, and they may not be, go to counseling together with someone who specializes in this area or has a lot of experience in it. Mm -hmm. Because a counselor that's just listening to you, they're going to get your perspective on it, and that can be helpful. And someone that's good in this area is going to help you. But your partner going with you and then having these conversations with someone that can point out to them the fallacy of what they're saying to doing in the long run is going to even be better if they're willing to do that. But they may not be. Like Sharon said, they may want to dissuade you from this kind mm-hmm. of work. And oh, so yeah. they don't want to participate themselves. They may not. Or mm-hmm. they could go to the counseling sessions and then act totally different in the session. Well, that's why I say someone who's kind of experienced. Because if mm-hmm. you've had enough time in this, you start to recognize... There are signs of someone who's really healthy and signs of someone who's playing the game. Mm -hmm. And a good counselor, I'm not saying they'll be 100% accurate, but they can start picking up on those things. Mm -hmm. Once you have done some really good work on self-care, getting to know yourself, becoming confident in your own instincts and your own ability to actually stand up for yourself, then come healthy boundaries. Mm -hmm. Learning how to say, I am going to assert my needs in a healthy adult way, very kind, very empathetic, but not, quote, nice. (laughs) Just be nice. You know, sometimes we get that all mixed up with asserting really valid needs that are 100% well within your rights. You have the right to stand up for yourself. You have the right to say, no, I'm not a super jealous person. your conversations with so-and-so are inappropriate. That is going to take a lot of work because a lot of times over time we have been conditioned to cave. Or doubt yourself. No, totally. Well, that's what gaslighting is all about is Mm -hmm. making you doubt yourself. So then you're like, well, maybe I'm just being a jerk. Oh, well, maybe I'm just being arrogant. Well, maybe I'm being pushy. How how many times have I said to a client, a betrayed partner who is in that state of mind, you gather... 50 random people who are objectively intelligent 
and just look at your circumstances, I know how all 50 of those people are going to respond to what's going on with you right now. It's not confusing. It's pretty clear. (laughs) You're confused because you've been made to feel confused Mm -hmm. about this. Yep. You've been under that blanket of what? Sometimes I think of the analogy for gaslighting of, you know, when we play pin the tail on the donkey, mm-hmm. put the blindfold on the person, spin them all around and then let them go. <laughs> I, I feel like that's what happens with gaslighting. You know, somebody comes to their partner with a legitimate need or concern and the gaslighting person. Put this blindfold on. Yep. You know? oh, wait, wait. Let, let me spin oh, it around spin a little it bit. Spin it around. <laughs> okay, now they let them go. And the person ambles off into the darkness <laughs> because they, they're they just so confused by then. And then the, the other person just kind of goes about their day. They're like, okay. Problem solved. They're off waddling around in the dark, banging into the wall. And I'm fine now because I got what I wanted because now this conversation has stopped. (laughs) You know, uh, we don't have to talk about it anymore. Boundaries. Boundaries are so important. I mean, I probably say it a trillion times a day. Boundaries, boundaries. But learning really what that means is very important when you're in this situation. Learning that a boundary is for you. A boundary isn't out there to change the other person's behavior because you cannot do that. That's completely impossible. But a boundary is for you to say, I know what I will tolerate and I know what I will not tolerate. I know where my line is and I will express it clearly and calmly and I will stick to it. For instance, maybe in this gaslighting scenario where a coworker and your partner are a little too flirty and you're like, uh, excuse me, this is not good because this is exactly up your alley of weakness. So I would appreciate it if you guys wouldn't have that kind of conversations anymore. You wouldn't have lunch alone, whatever it is. And then the conversation gets all muddled and confused. How could you? (laughs) She's not even attractive. She's married. Oh, that's the other So you're saying once you feel like you're getting into that mess of stuff, take responsibility for yourself, back off, establish the boundaries that let you stay firm. Right. And I think one of the best ways to do that is to completely rehearse that need that you've expressed and while you're in the conversation with the person kind of prepare ahead of time that that is going to happen there's going to be the hi put this blindfold on i'm gonna spin you around (laughs) you just have to keep taking a step back and repeating your concern need goal whatever it is yeah and i think what you said earlier about it not you know, it's not meant to change the other person. It's not meant to be manipulative. No. You don't establish boundaries to manipulate. I don't think you should establish boundaries out of anger. No. Honestly, the best boundaries are established out of love. Love for your, care for yourself. Mm-hmm. And even in a relationship, care for the other person. It's just sure. that you're saying, I love you. I would like a relationship with you. I would like healing in this, but I can't do it myself. And every time you kind of enter this conversation, it gets confusing and nutty. And I'm not going to do that anymore. Right, right. Things can change and you can join me in this process. You know, maybe I'm still willing to do that, Mm -hmm, but I'm not willing to do the previous stuff anymore. Well, one of the main things too, to look at it as I am not willing to put my own needs below yours. It's that we are equal human beings and we are equal partners in this relationship. And previously... I have caved and put my own needs under yours. When I feel that mine are against yours, I'm like, oh, okay. And I bow down underneath it because Mm -hmm. it just, I'm so messed up. Mm -hmm. That kind of gets to the heart of what's going on emotionally and physiologically with someone who's being gaslit. 
they doubt themselves so much. So they're trying to do those things that make themselves right in the other person's perspective. Correct. You know? Correct. It's all about managing and, how and, the other person feels. And you yep. have to stop doing that. Yep. Absolutely. You have to say, no, I'm sorry. I'm going to stand firm on this. I do not want you in that kind of relationship with your coworker. If you choose to stop, great. If you choose not to, that's your thing. I'm not going to let go on this, though. It is bothering me. And if you continue with it, and there has to be some kind of what you are going to do. It can't be what they are going to do. But you stay firm on it. It's like, no, this isn't okay with me. Let's talk about recommended resources. And listener, if you want more information on these resources and links to them, go to the podcast page, which is at affairhealing.com slash podcast 503. And we'll put the information on what we're going to talk about now. If we come up with other resources, we'll also list them on that page. But what would you recommend? Well, the one that I would say is my favorite that I really love is called The Gaslighting Recovery Workbook, Healing from Emotional Abuse. It is fabulous. I have a lot of books that I like, but then there's like a few things that I'm like, this one though, straight across. This is top of your recommendation. It really is. I love this book. You've talked about it a lot. Yes. I really, really love this book. It isn't specifically about a fair recovery Mm -hmm. uh, at all. It's just about gaslighting across Mm -hmm. the board. In fact, she talks about like workplace situations or family or romantic or friends or whatever. Um, So she talks about all different kinds, but she is very specific about what gaslighting is, very specific about whether you may or may not be somebody who is falling under it. And then it has great journaling and just extra thought exercises um, in order to, number one, recognize what's happening, kind of come to grips with it. And then the, the process of, okay, now what do I do? How do I start to get out of that brainwashing kind of situation? And she has a great chapter on the self-esteem part of it, where you start to learn to self-love and trust your own instincts. And then she has a section on boundaries and what that might look like for you, what good boundaries look like. She has great examples of what diffuse boundaries are or rigid boundaries or healthy boundaries. That's probably the one best resource we can give as recommendation. I know that there's some links to some other resources. Mm-hmm. We'll just go ahead and list those on the podcast page, fairhealing.com slash podcast 503. And hopefully those will be of help to you. And of course, if we can be of help to you, Sharon, me, Jennifer, we'd love to talk to you through coaching mm-hmm. and we can help you through some of this stuff too. Mm-hmm. Thanks for joining us for another podcast. Till next time. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. The Recovery Room Podcast is a resource provided by AffairHealing.com. For more information about the podcast and resources for Affair Recovery, including archives of past programs and the schedule for upcoming ones, please go to AffairHealing.com slash podcast. I'm your host, Tim Tedder. See you next time.